What is up? Welcome back to the podcast, Social Skills for Dummies. Um, it's the host of the podcast, Dallas. And um, man, today's podcast, I kind of just wanted to talk about, you know, why we are the way we are um, in terms of locked in, you know, introverted and trying to find an answer for, you know, how it is we circumvent or how it is we circumnavigate the way that we feel and make it to the other side. Um, why does we have such an affinity at the end of the day, an addiction for people and um, their affection with such an inability to actually earn it or when you earn it, such an inability to be satisfied. You know, um, the pickup teacher that I grew up under, Owen Cook, you know, he calls it the land of hungry ghosts. Um, and he says it's like something depicted, I think, from Asian culture where it's like a a ghost with like a hole in his stomach signifying that this character, you know, always eats but is never satisfied. Um, you know, this conversation for me, I think, stems back to February, uh, early February, I'll say. And it was a time in my life where it was, you know, you know, so a person that I'm very fond of. It was their birthday. And we were driving down the coast from L.A. to San Diego. And in driving down the coast, especially this time of year, if you live in L.A., please go outside, man. Because this time of year is is, is, is crazy pretty. Um, especially moving down the coastline. Like, there are, like, so many wildflowers, like, blossoming between Malibu and San Diego. Like, all these different places. Like, it looks particularly extraordinary before everything is raised R-A-Z-E-D, um, not raised as in raised up like a child, but raised back to dust in brown fields. Um, it's something that you should definitely go and look at and check out. And so we were driving um, down towards San Diego, man, and the entire, you know, side of the county, um, well, side of the, co- side of the coastline that wasn't sea, but rather was fields, especially because it was like, it was February, but spring comes early in L.A., um, it was these yellow flowers stretching pretty much all the way there. I don't know what type of flowers. It's one of the things that puzzled me the most. I look at the world around us and I'm like, I can't identify half of the things around me. Like, that's a tree, but what type of tree? That's a plant, but what type of plant? And all these things have names and identifications. It's the craziest thing in the world that I don't know any of them. But um, it made me think of this poem. You know, um, it's by Yusuf Kamanyaka. I don't know the poem. My brother sent it to me in email. But he says, these yellow flowers go on forever almost to Detroit, almost to the sea. And it's one of my favorite like lines from poem. It has nothing to do with the story. It's just a little tangent that I went on because, you know, I love art. I love poetry. I love, you know, things like that, you know, um, you know, just execution of something beautiful at the highest form, you know, just packaged in a way that everybody, like it, it universally creates and inspires a feeling of love in somebody. You know, another thing I look at is, you know, um, houses on youtube houses by uh one of the content creators i love his name is ennis e-n-e-s yilmazer y-l-m-a-z-e-r look up his youtube he'll show you some of the best houses in the world and best houses in malibu um i'm in california like uh his youtube channel and his tours and the way he shoots them are insane but to get uh, back to the point like so this is the scenery i'm just describing you and on the right side is obviously the ocean you know beautiful bright blue green like 
clean and clear and you know in between cities so mostly unpolluted like the strip of land between here and like san diego man so we're skating along this strip of land and we're talking about a friend of my friend okay um and this particular friend is somebody that um you know you ever been around somebody and you know they're kind of like not a people pleaser but they kind of position themselves in a way hold on i gotta text someone They kind of position themselves in a way where they want to be the center of attention. You know, they want to be um, like their personality is kind of, you know, shaped to 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 be optimal. It's kind of optimized for everybody. You know, they always are super witty, super charismatic, always know the right things to say. Um, and they're just kind of graceful in, in their interactions. Like they're just a person that's just super agreeable and like. They're just super smooth and charismatic, like the person that everyone likes. Um, and, you know, we were having a conversation about this person um, and just kind of breaking them down. Like, yeah, like I think a lot of that comes from, you know, because, you know, as we were discussing this person, you know, a young lady, uh, I, I could relate to this person. And one of the things I said, it was also confirmed, like I was listening to a podcast a little later on. It was confirmed in that podcast. It was oh. Um, and I think the words they used to confirm it, they explain, you know, with the words they used to exp confirm it, they explained it a little better than I did. They said, you know, most of high achievement in the world. Now, I don't know if this is necessarily true or not. I would take this with a grain of salt. You know, I think a lot of high achievement is started this way, but not completed this way. I'll say it that way. But a lot of the paths of high achievements are started, you know, through childhood trauma. You know, uh, you have just the right amount of trauma to not completely bury you and disable your functionality as a human being. But you have just enough to realize like, OK, like trauma in the form where it's not completely de de uh, dehabilitating or disabling. But it's like, OK, you're completely ignored. You're completely outcasted. No one cares for you. No one pays attention to you until you do something that's completely exemplary. Then you're then you get love. And so in your brain, like there is a connection formed between reward, love, care, someone taking care of you, someone paying you attention, you know, uh, a pathway as a child who has no other way in the world to survival because you have the favor of the people who would literally feed you. Um, there's a pathway in your a connection in your brain that's formed between, you know, um, an uprising, you know, winning and, you know, achievement and hard work and effort. Um you know, and so they say that's where a lot of it comes from. And so because you associate winning love in your life with with effort and achievement and doing great things, you'll always be pulled to do great things. And the print in the media of people who do great things, you know, like you grow up on like, let's say, anime like Dragon Ball Z or you grew up on anime like Naruto or something like that. You know, you completely relate to like the main characters because it's like, well, they're out here and they're the underdog and no one loves them and they're outcasted by let's say the village and they go on to become the hukage and then they have love and, and you know you relate to that storyline that's the storyline you envision for yourself it took me till i was probably 24 25 year old years old to know that that link uh and that relation to these characters aren't like something that's inherent to people you know it's something that comes from a dark place i talk a lot about this in my podcast if you go through the former episodes, but a lot of you probably are new to this podcast. And so that's like me realizing that 
was one of the central driving forces in my life. Okay, I want love and I'm suspending it in the future was how I realized last year, like my particular brand of former trauma, you know, is, is manifested in an attachment type they call avoidant attachment, which means you literally avoid love. You avoid attaching to people. You're, you're fearful of it. And, you know, you associate love with reward. And so in that undertaking, in that task to, you know, become reward, what you're essentially insinuating or implying is that there is an omission or void or a lack of deservingness of love unless you do the thing. You know, that's the bad side of the attachment. So it drives you to get love from high achievement. When you achieve, you feel like you deserve. But when there's no achievement, you don't feel like you deserve. You don't feel like you can have love. Um, and so that's a lot of what the, you know, I, I think a lot of people should look that up. Avoid an attachment if you listen to this podcast. If you're driven to this podcast, the way you are is because you weren't like your primary lovers, your primary caretakers. They didn't really see you when you were a kid. They neglected you unless you did really big things. You know, and so you're on this journey to become good enough. You're on this journey to become him. You're on this journey to pimp kind of that system and become that guy. Or you've come across a point in your life where you realize, okay, there are things that I can do that 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 help me achieve the same results. I can take these shortcuts through these skills and techniques of social skills or pickup or whatever you want to call it to achieve results without necessarily going the long circuitous route that takes years and years and years. But even still, if you look at it, that's the same thing. Um, you know, uh, to achieve a result is like a high performance in, in a particular domain, a sport or, 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 or a business. But what, you know, social skills and pickup is, it's like, you know, it's achieving a high, high result in terms of human spirit, in terms of being a person. So if you're a very funny person, you know, it's like being a comedian, like you achieve high results in humor, or you achieve high results in intelligence. Most of us, you know, we're stricken with the fact we don't know how to talk in ways that, in, in which we're, tr we're, we're, in which we're not trying to appear smart. Like we talk in ways in which we're trying to appear intelligent because we feel like we associate it with love. We use big words. We talk very elegant. We talk, it, we, you know, what you come to realize through this life is a lot of the ways we are is that we're optimizing our personality for love because we feel such a lack of we feel such a void of it it's like everything in our life is optimized to be this almost this apex predator to, to hunt down love to hunt down likeness to hunt down agreeableness and so through this void we experience we actually become some of the most liked charismatic and 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 agreeable people um in our environments, you know, with time and eventually you don't start that way. You start just terrified and a huge introvert and you still are that to some degree as you progress. It, it goes with time, but you might be the most popular person in the room and still feel scared or still feel introverted or still feel like no one loves you. Um, it's a it's a weird kind of dynamic that we go through with time. But that's really, I think, the reason why we are the way we are. Um, and so. But I think the purpose for it is is the purpose in, in in this humble beginning the purpose in this life journey um for a lot of us is you know because it's to get to the end of the rainbow and bring back the jewels and the knowledge and the wisdom that you learn from getting to that spot and seeing that it's not the answer um to elaborate further on that i, I got a couple topics in my head i freestyle these episodes off the top i got a couple topics in my head i gotta find which route that i want to go down i think the first route I want to touch on is the negatives of, of, of the way we live, the negatives of who we are. 
Um, and I say the negatives of who we are, one of the biggest negatives is, is this, man. Um, a lot of my life, okay, um, re- well, let's say recently, within a span of the last 10 years. Recently, I went through a lot of tough things in, in a relationship of mine. Um, and in going through those tough things, one of the greatest disputes was, you know, uh, about finances. You know, I talk a lot about my finances on this podcast, my financial history, missing rent all the last year. Um, and really being in a relationship during that time and really not knowing what to do with it. I was talking to one of my friends at work yesterday and just telling about a moment I was completely devastated. You know, I remember like last year, like, you know, being short on my rent and like having like $10 left in my bank account or something like that. And going to the gas station, put five on the tank and not having food to eat that night, me and my girlfriend and pulling around the street to the jack in the box in order like two things off the dollar menu because that's what that's all we would, could afford. And at that time, like I had been in business for five years. I've been trying to start a business for five years, doing everything the business owners and the pickup coaches and all these people that the, the leadership coaches told me to do. And I remember just sitting there having nothing to show for it. And like that moment in my life was one of the most devastating and low moments that I ever felt like to have a girlfriend you know and you're 25 and she's 24 and she's crying every day because you just don't have and the end of the month's coming and you don't have and you're terrified and she's terrified and she's asking you to do something but you don't know how it's some of the lowest and darkest moments in my life you know and that continued on you know a lot of it even into this year and I tell this story to say this because there was a point in my life last year where I did start from that place where I was avoiding attachment. I did associate love with high achievement. I didn't feel like a man. I didn't feel like I deserved her love. I didn't feel like I deserved the relationship unless I did everything. And I literally did everything in my power. You know, um, that that's the life I live. You know, I cooked, I cleaned, you know, I went to work 40 hours a week and I was still broke. And so and don't get me wrong. I want to emphasize this. Love is about doing as much as you can for a person to the point of giving your life for them. You know, I read on this podcast a lot, the brine and the branches. And so it is within our duty to do as much as we can for everybody. You know, um, work to your capacity, earn to your capacity, perform to your capacity for the people around you because you love them. But don't for a second mistake that as you as you being undeserving or deserving of love. Okay, you know, you will get or will not get love based on it, but your deservingness and your worthiness is completely different. I think your deservingness and your worthiness really changes based on your attitude towards that person, your attitude towards that situation and the in, in your in your limits of love. Okay, because if you're not doing everything in your power, you have a limited factor of love. And when you have a limited factor of love, I mean, I feel like, I don't know, love is a tricky thing. It's a tricky topic, but I'm not going to get into that. A lot of our arguments, a lot of our debates, you know, as that relationship began to wind down and burn out was a lot about finances and me doing more. Um, And, you know, it came to a point in my time in in life where I just the way the deals were cut up, I kind of just felt like, you know, I'm not just, you know, okay, let let me rewind. So I had a moment last year where I realized that, you know, um, I looked at my life that I was avoiding attachment in May of 2022. I realized my avoidance, avoidance of love. And I realized that I, I felt deserving of love and I wanted to love and I wanted to have relationships regardless of the logistics of my situation, regardless of who I thought I should be at this point in time, regardless of, because, man, it's even weighed on me this week a lot, the last two days. I don't know why. Um, I, I failed at everything I ever tried. 
I failed at everything I ever tried. I never did anything meaningful in my life up until this point. I'm still in my 20s, obviously, but up until this point, I've I've done nothing meaningful. You know, that's one of the things that like just made me feel like trash so many points in my life. Just made me feel like I, like I shouldn't even exist. Like my existence had no meaning at all. Like that's something that like it's just so heartbreaking because there's so many people. Well, not so many people. I've been an underdog. I've been invisible for the majority of my life. But there were people like my coach in high school that believed in me. There were people like my parents that I wanted to show, you know, what they raised, what they did. The people like my grandmother that before she passes, I want to show her like what I, you know, what what she did. You know, the fruits of everything that she put into me and how I could return that love and how it could be meaningful. But I failed at everything. I got kicked out of school with a zero GPA in sports. I never won that state title that I wanted. Um, at this point, I can't even pay my rent. You know, um, I don't have a degree. You know, I'm 26 years old now. I don't have a car. I take the train and the bus every night. Sometimes I don't have money for that. And, you know, um, I can't apply to better jobs because I don't have any credentials. I don't have any skills. I'm personable, um, you know, but I've worked at Target in a chicken spot, you know, um, you know, and I don't drive, you know, my, my, my life and my, the capacity of it seemingly, I'll say seemingly, because it's not the truth of the matter is very limited. Um, and so with that being said, um, there are times where that's weighed on me and it felt, I felt like it was a part of who I was and it characterized me in a way, but that's not the entire scope of the picture. Like, that's not the broad picture. That's not the big picture. Um, you know, um, you know, it's a long conversation, but that's 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 essentially how I felt. And I realized I was projecting it on myself. I realized I was I was embodying all my fears. I was embodying the life, the past and that I live in the projected future that I felt was ahead of me. And I was using that to define how I felt to myself. And so I allowed a lot of things in my life, allowed a lot of things in my relationship to go on that shouldn't have went on. You know, um and so I finally had broken you know, I had fell into a codependence you know, within that relationship. And I'll, I'll say I fell into a codependence uh, based on a lot of the things that 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 um, I, I felt like almost that I lucked up to have anyone look at me because of all these underlying circumstances and that, you know, I wasn't deserving of love. And so, you know, if I ever let it go, I would never find it again. I had a big fear because I had always been abandoned by everybody around me. I had a big fear of being abandoned, a big fear of being alone, a big fear of having a void in my life, a big fear of not having love, a big feeling of falling into the darkness and never making it. This wasn't at the forefront of mind. It was subconscious. It was under the surface. It was running everything. It was running the entire show. And so with that being said, when all that vanished into the smoke, I realized like, well, no circumstance in your life, just because you're a man or you're this, that, or there, really can define your being, really can define your spirit. You know, it defines you in a superficial way, sure, but you are what you are. And there's so much infinite beauty and complexity in just a being that goes beyond the logistics of their life and what they can do or what they've done. It, it goes beyond, you're more than a tool, you're more than a utility. You are. You are, are, you are what you am, you are what you are. Like, it's hard to describe, but you are a soul, you know, um, and a soul will have ups and a soul will have downs and a soul will have light and a soul will have dark. But at the end of the day, you're a soul, you're infinitely valuable, you're infinitely beautiful, you're infinitely, and I know this kind of sounds like just new age Twitter thought. I mean, read the book, I'm reading the book Power Now by Eckhart Tolle. Read the book Levels of Energy. That's the book that kind of put me on all this. 
um, and it'll kind of describe a little bit of what I'm talking about. Um, and so, but once all that was, when I went, once I was disillusioned from, you know, the, the trauma that I grow, grow, had grown up with, I realized like a lot of the ways that I was running my life in the relationship that I was living, it had its flaws. And so that was the beginning of a lot of the end. And, um, you know, within the way that I look at it now, um, is like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not a tool, you know, I'm not something to just be used to meet someone's ends. And that's the only value I have. It's the only love I have. And a lot of people in your life will treat you like that. You know, no, no, don't get me wrong. I'm giving like a broad, like a, a broad generalization, a black and white rundown of the situation when it's nothing like that in real life. You know, um, you know, especially I can see for, I can know from my limited perspective, like it's just my limited perspective, like a situation it's had, you know, it's, you know, every individual, me, I have all my wrongs, probably more so than anybody else. That's just being a hunted. You know what I mean? I, you know, I'm not a victim of anything. No one did me wrong or any crazy thing like that. I'm just telling you the way that I felt at a particular time. Okay. And, and some of the thoughts and motifs that I learned, not to say that this, this is what it completely was one way or another, that is not justified one way or another. I'm just saying the motif that I pick up because, you know, all the people that I talk about on this podcast, I love all of them very dearly. They're very close to me. If anybody were to say or do anything bad to them, they would be you would be an enemy to me. So I'm not talking bad or talking down on anybody. I'm just trying to really hyperbolize to emphasize a point. And so I'm not I'm not a tool to anybody. I'm not a means to an end. I'm not a utility and that's my meaning as a person. My meaning is inherent. And when I started to realize my meaning was inherent, everything changed. And it made me realize like you can say to this person, okay, my meaning is inherent. I'm not a tool, I'm the utility. But the reason, you know, people treat you how you treat yourself. You have to look at your life and realize as an introvert or as a as an avoided attachment, solid style attachment young guy, you know, this person carrying all this trauma, you looked at yourself for a means to an end. You didn't give yourself love until you gave yourself utility. Or when I win this title or when I when I win this million dollars, when I get this job, when I do something, then I'll be love. You had you didn't have inherent love for yourself, so how could the world? You teach people how they treat you. That's one of the biggest mindsets to dispel. And once I dispelled that mindset, ironically, you know, um, I began to get the love and the admiration in the community that I wanted. And it's it's been easy. Like I had uh, uh, my rising star year. I had a year where, you know, people in my life, you know, and I, I hate to say this because it sounds like braggadocious, but I'm, it's not a brag. It's not even it's just it's just a given in life. It's something that we all qualify for and that we all get at a certain time through my life. You know, define me by my personality. You know, they define me by the way I laugh, by the way I smile, by the way I sing. You know, they say my best quality is that I'm charismatic or personable. Um, when a lot of it is just like being this weird was a lot of time. A lot of it was learning to be this weird shapeshifter that molded to every situation because you didn't want to be seen for who you were because you felt like your utility was what marked you and utility as in, okay, I make this person laugh. I'm humorous. I make this person think I'm intelligent. That, that counts too. But it's funny when I let down the guard and just let me shine and just did whatever that I felt was representative of what, what I, what I was going to do, what I was experiencing in that moment, but in a loving way, everything sort of came to me. And so you have to realize that you're not a tool, you're not a utility. The, per the way you are 
it's because you realized through like you were taught at a young age that that's where you were. And so, you know, the purpose that we are this way, the reason that we are this way, I'd say is to, you know, when I had my year um, and it continues on and on, the marathon continues. Um, you'll reach a point where you win. And then when you win, it'll be at a point in your life where you realize, well, you're not about wins. You're not utility. You just are. You're a being that's where, where love and accepted, being accepted and being charismatic and popular and all these things is just inherent. And the win and the win, the subsequent wins that follow, because you'll keep looking for meaning and win some way somehow will have less and less meaning. And there'll just be another thing in life. Just like they say, when you get a new Lamborghini, you get a million dollars. It's just another thing in life. I think a lot of the purpose of, you know, the trials that we go through is to become better and better and better and better and better. And so we can eventually hit a point where we realize the true nature of life. We knew the true nature of our path, the folly in our, you know, our ways, the error of our ways, our folly, you know, and when we hit that place, we can suddenly utilize all the tools that we gathered to to make a make a significant impact, make an impact in a real way. Because now, okay, you realize to stop clout chasing, essentially. Let's just use the simplest terms. And to use your ability to gain clout, to put a spotlight where it really belongs, on the correct movements, on the correct ideas, and you ascend to leadership. But that only comes when when you hit the point where you stop chasing leadership. You know, I think a lot of our purpose in life is to become leaders, become high achievers. So we can, you know, after we hit that point, so that then we can realize, okay, I'm not going to just veer off the wrong path and become a tyrant, but I'm going to become a king and do the right thing. That's what it's all about. I hope that wasn't vague. I hope that wasn't ambiguous. Again, this podcast, Social Skills for Dummies, it's transforming into another podcast, into another project that I'm working on. And so the title, the cover, and everything is going to change pretty soon. But subscribe to the podcast so you know you'll hear my voice on the podcast, even though I probably won't address the audience, you know, the same way. Um, But everything's changing pretty soon. But I wanted to make a few episodes under this name, under Social Skills for Dummies, under Dallas. So just to just to kind of transition you into the change more smoothly, a lot of the ideas, motifs, topics we talk about on here are going to be a lot less how to. And it's going to be breaking down and demonstrated in real life in real time, even though it will be under a different guise. So with that being said, I appreciate you so much for listening. I'll see you in the next episode. Thank you.